Hey, Alpaca Pals. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share some quick thoughts about our previous episode, which covers taking pets adventuring with you. As most of you know, I am a cat enthusiast. I absolutely adore my two cats. They are my babies. So going into this episode, I felt very optimistic. Since sharing the episode, we've received some cautionary feedback that I want to quickly address. The adventure cat has become somewhat of a trend online, and while it's fun and exciting to see cats out in the wild, I want to emphasize that that lifestyle is not appropriate for all pets or cats. Taking your cat or any pet adventuring is a huge responsibility. Since our pets don't speak our language, it's very hard to know how they really feel about something. It's hard to know if they are enjoying an adventure or not. I think that in our latest episode, I could have done a better job at acknowledging this fact. So I want to emphasize again, not all pets are going to enjoy the outdoors, and it is up to us as their caregivers to carefully observe them and take on the responsibility of deciding whether or not our pet belongs outdoors. I also want to correct one point in the conversation that may have conveyed an inaccurate point. This was flagged by one of our alpaca pals. Thank you, Sarah. So in the pet adventuring episode, JJ mentions that his cat Simon is a service animal, but he also says that he is an emotional support animal. At no point does he clarify which of these Simon is. It's important to distinguish service animals from emotional support animals. An emotional support animal can indeed be refused entry to an establishment, whereas a service animal cannot. We are planning to do a whole episode dedicated to service animals and emotional support animals, but in the meantime, we just wanted to be clear about that distinction. As always, Katie and I encourage all of you alpaca pals to listen to our show critically. And if you ever notice something that is inaccurate or that you take issue with, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can DM us, email us, whatever you like. As a woman, I have definitely felt the pressure throughout my life to look perfect. And I've always been logically aware that yes, the human body comes in different shapes and different sizes. And yes, it does not make any sense to compare myself to Instagram models, but I can't help myself from doing that. And I have a hunch that this is something that many, if not most, women experience. Weight, I think, is probably one of the most destructive of the socially constructed beauty standards. Part of the pressures that women feel to have a beach body, especially during their travels, are due to the standard of thinness, but it's also due to many stereotypes. Welcome back to Alpaca My Bags, the podcast that looks at travel through a critical lens. I'm your host, Erin Hines. We're chatting today with Ashley and Natalie. They are the women behind the travel community Fat Girls Travel 2. Their goal is to empower plus-size women to explore the world and crush stereotypes. Let's dig into it. Welcome, Ashley and Natalie. Hi. Hi. 
So Ashley, you're the creator of Fat Girls Travel 2, which is a community, but also offers curated trips for plus-size women. And you're also a travel influencer. You can be found at the handle Simply Curvy. Can you share with us a bit of the history of your work and what led to you starting Fat Girls Travel 2? Sure. So actually, Simply Curvy started out as a hub to showcase my plus-size fashion. Travel wasn't a part of it. It was all about the clothing. Over the past five years, my life has changed and I still love fashion, but it's not as much of a passion as travel now. So in 2018, I went on a girl's trip to Ghana with some of my blogger friends. And during the trip, um, our tickets got messed up. So we all didn't know where we were sitting. You know how you get to baggage claim not baggage claim, but to the gate, and they change your your seat. That's what happened to us. So we're all like having these travel anxieties, like, oh my gosh, the person I sit beside, are they going to understand that I need to lift my armrests up and that I need time to sit down and get adjusted? Uh, so we were all having these anxieties. It was three of us. So once we got onto the plane, we realized we were sitting together. And in that moment, it was a sigh of relief, like, yes, thank God. We're sitting beside each other, so we understand, you know, it may be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's okay. We we understand. In that moment, it's like I had an aha moment that other plus-size women may feel the same anxiety, and they may not be as fortunate as us to be traveling with other plus-size women who understand. And on a plane from Ghana to JFK, I created the Fat Girls Travel to Instagram. <laughs> That's so awesome. And the women that you were traveling with, were they involved at all? No, they were asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And once we landed, I'm like, look what I did. (laughs) I love how productive you are. That, That sounds like me. I have like the problem where I can never sleep. My brain is always going and I'm just thinking like, what can I be working on right now? Um, Natalie, how did you get involved with Fat Girls Travel too? Well, I met Ash and we met on Instagram and it was like love at first sight. No, <laughs> Actually, yeah, we met on Instagram. We were talking about traveling, right? I was going on a trip and I was seeing what Fat Girls um, Travel 2 had to offer and she was building up Fat Girls Travel 2 and I went on a trip, I think it was to Barbados. And I kind of like reached out to Ash and I was like, oh my God, I'm really excited about this. Just like we had communicated on Instagram. And so we decided that I would take over the Fat Girls Travel to um, Instagram page and go live and kind of like showcase my day while traveling Barbados Carnival. When I got back, I was like, oh, we should do a trip together. Like Fat Girls Travel 2, I want to host a trip with you, Ash. And so she was like, okay, cool. So we were planning that, and in the midst of that, I um, joined a Fat Girl Travels to Curated Experience, which was the Cuba trip. And then Ash and I finally met in person. And then that's when the love at first sight turned to we knew it was real, <laughs> right? So we we just clicked. I think we just clicked, and the partnership has been going since then. 
Oh, that's awesome. So not everyone can relate to the experience of being a plus size woman. So on that note, could you explain the sort of like ideology behind Fat Girls Travel too? Like what is the importance of these curated trips that are catered towards plus size women specifically? Uh, So like I told you in the backstory, you know, there was a lot of travel anxiety and I know I had some being on the plane. It's like, okay, I have to ask for a seatbelt extender. I know I need to lift the armrest up. And, you know, I do a lot of solo travel. So I'm always cautious about who's sitting next to me. And I'm not one of those people where I'm going to buy two seats because I'm uncomfortable. But I have these thoughts in my head. So um, the ideal of Fat Girls Travel too is that we just travel together. Like if we travel together, we know what to expect. You know, we kind of know what each other's worries are. And we want to take us curating these trips. We want to take that anxiety from the women. And then I think like also there's probably this element of creating a, a safe space for women to connect with each other and like talk about their shared experience of this anxiety. Definitely. And it kind of happened while we were in Cuba. We, for our inaugural trip, um, a big experience in Cuba, people like to go horseback riding in Vinales. And I knew having women that were like 300 plus pounds, they may not be comfortable on a horse. You know, I'm one of those women, I am 300 plus pounds and I'm not comfortable horseback riding. So I wanted to eliminate that and people feeling excluded where, hey, you're going horseback riding, I'm not comfortable but I didn't want to remove the experience of going to Vinales. You know, I don't, I think taking out the horseback riding still, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, My thoughts got all jumbled up. I'm like, huh, where are you going with this? You were going, talking about taking out the horseback riding and how you still thought that plus size women should be able to experience Vinales without the horseback riding. You wanted a way that they could still experience that. And so that was her aha. Okay, go ahead. You take it over. You say it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, she was in Cuba and she knew that Vinales was a beautiful part of Cuba and that it it's, has experiences that she thought plus size girls would want to experience, but they may be deterred from doing that because all of the other curated experiences include horseback riding. And as she said, if you're like over 300 pounds, sometimes you may not want to ride a horse down a couple of dirt mountains or anything like that, right? It just may not feel as comfortable, right? And so... She created an experience where plus size women could visit Vinales and see the beautiful countryside of Cuba, still do cigars and rum tasting, coffee making, and not have to worry about the apprehension of riding a horse. Yeah, that makes total sense. So it's kind of like curating an experience that caters to like the needs and wants of a specific person. And that person, those people are plus size women. Yeah. So I thought it would be good to talk a bit about the word fat. I was doing some reading and I was reading this blog called Practical Wonderlust. And the author Leah writes in one of her blog posts that after wasting a bunch of years struggling against my fatness and battling an eating disorder that nearly killed me, I've come to embrace it and subsequently totally get over it. I'm fat and it's fine. I'm perfectly happy with my fatness. 
So since your organization uses the word fat in its title, I wanted to ask you about your relationship with the word and why it was included in the name of the company. Yes. So we're taking the word and making it positive. We're owning the word fat. The word fat can't hurt us. You know, it's like, okay, we're fat and what else? I'm fat and I'm beautiful. I'm fat and I'm a world traveler. I'm fat and I'm amazing. I'm fat and I'm here and I'm going to take up space and I deserve to take up space and I deserve to have experiences the same as anyone else. So we're just taking the word and giving it some empowerment, giving it some life and some beauty. It's not such a harsh and ugly word because we're more than just fat. You know, we're fat girls and we travel too. Yeah. So it's like a reclamation of the word. Yes. And what, like, what do you think about other words? Because this is something I see debated a lot. Like, I was just thinking about the term overweight. And I feel like that's an awful word to use because there's this like implicit suggestion that your weight is unhealthy with that term, I find. But then other people use plus size. What is like, how do you feel about all these different terms? Like, is it something that you find offensive in terms of like the way you're addressed? I think that like overweight, I, I agree with you. I hate when people say, oh, they're overweight because that tends to indicate that there's a standard weight, right? Like if you're over something or you're underweight, that means you're not meeting something that should be normal. And this is a requirement. You're imposing your beliefs on me. So I hate when people say, oh, they're overweight or I think that is, and that's way more negative to me than any other, not, not way more negative, but when people say, oh, fat's offensive and overweight's not because you're being kind of cautious with the word. No, overweight is, I feel like that's r- ruder. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying fat. I think people were like, oh, they were like, oh, you're not fat. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, 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 what do you, oh, you're not fat. You're just chubby. Okay, I'm fat, I'm chubby, however you want to describe it, that's what I am, right? Like they almost put this neg they just put this negative connotation on fat, like it's something so horrible. I feel like it almost like by reclaiming the word, you're just signaling your own self-acceptance, which I'm sure is like very empowering. Absolutely. And it's hopefully encourages other women to embrace it too, to own it and empower themselves with the word. And this brings me to a stereotype. I think we're going to touch on a couple in this conversation, but I wanted to address this one right away. And that's that if you're fat, you're unhealthy. There's plenty of information out there that proves that this is untrue, but this is a travel podcast and I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to get into the the weeds of that. But there's a really good podcast called You're Wrong About, and they did a fantastic episode that digs into this misconception on a deeper level. So we're going to link that in the show notes. But the short of it is that, especially in North America, we've created expectations of weight and body size that are unrealistic, and we're using these to justify um, these stereotypes. So I think there's a lot of stereotypes about plus-size women and people, but Natalie, can you share some of the other stereotypes that you've heard and are tired of hearing, and then can we talk about why we need to crush these stereotypes? 
Oh, there's so many. Okay, I'll shoot out a couple and then I'll talk about why we need to crush them. So a lot of times I hear like, oh, fat girls. I don't I don't like to be around fat girls or plus size girls because they lack confidence. They have low self-esteem. Fat people are unhygienic. Fat girls have a different smell. <laughs> fat girls, uh, they don't have the body or the confidence to wear two-piece swimsuits. Fat girls are easy. <laughs> uh, there's so there's so many that I've heard. Fat girls are lazy, right? And there's so much like misogyny wrapped up in this as well. That part, exactly. Yikes. So I, I think why we need to crush them is because they're not true. Number one, it's like, why do you want to keep spewing lies, right? So like the reason that they need to be crushed is because they're unsubstantiated and they're just not accurate. So I think that's the number one reason why you should crush them it leads to misjudging people, right? Like any stereotypes allows you, I mean, creates this atmosphere where you misjudge people. Oftentimes I say, I don't really care about stereotypes. Actually, I want to crush them for like other people. But for me, I always sometimes feel like if somebody has a stereotype about me, good. That's one less person I have to talk to because I don't really want to talk to that person anyways. But I think we need to crush them because I think stereotypes like this really do hinder plus size women and younger plus size women that are growing up, it hinders their confidence. It allows them to maybe embody or embrace these stereotypes as a part of who they are, or and they start seeing themselves, how people see them or other people that are stereotyping, stereotyping them might see them. And that's why I would want to crush them. A lot of these stereotypes are just horrible about plus size women. And like she said, they're just not true. And I wish people would see us as individuals and not just fat people in the beginning. Um, and I guess it's just like a double negative against us that we're fat and we're women. So like you said, it's a lot of misogyny wrapped up in it. And just a lot of things that aren't true. And plus, I know they want to see us in our two-piece swimsuits. I mean, like, we got to crush it so we can just wear them because they want to see those visuals. I mean, we look so good in them. Right? Have you seen our feet lately? Right? Have you seen Have you seen all these plus-size <laughs> women crushing these two-piece swimsuits? I just, I mean, we need to and grace confidently. the world. Listen, yes. it's the confidence for me. I mean, the confidence is amazing. Sometimes our travel sisters, as we call them, that we repost, they give me confidence. I mean, showing me places that I've never imagined going. And then they give me the confidence, like, you know what? I can actually wear that. The little string bikini, I'm so against them. But we reposted a girl the other day and I'm like, she looks amazing. We're about the same size, the same height. I can wear that too. I wanted to ask like about the experience of these stereotypes like as you're traveling the world like do you find that the thin beauty standard and stereotypes about plus size women are consistent around the world or is this more of a North American thing? That's kind of a loaded question. Even outside of thin beauty standards, I think globally the beauty standards are just wrong. Because we shouldn't spend so much time trying to fit into a standard when we're all individuals. 
no matter where you are in the world. I know like in Asian countries, they have a beauty standard of having really pale skin. And here we want to have thin bodies and that's the standard. And I think we have to just eliminate beauty standards altogether. Um, just be ourselves, be unapologetically you, whatever that is, be your own standard. You know, as long as I'm, I look good to myself, that's my standard, then I'm good. I fit every single beauty standard. And I think that what, a lot of the world has become westernized, right? So what was like the fact that that has become a beauty standard in North America has kind of trickled off across the world. There were countries like, for example, countries in Africa where being plus size was always considered a sign of beauty and wealth. You come, you're well kept, you come from a good family, right? That, that was an indication of that, right? And sometimes in those countries now, it's like it's become westernized, right? And so everybody's on Instagram, everybody's on Google, everybody's on Facebook, and they're seeing now that this is what's runway or this is what's normal, this is what's normal, right? With quotes. And so they start to embrace that. And with embracing that, they they start to shame the opposite, right? So they see skinny, thin models or people on the cover of magazines. And so they say, that's right. And so the opposite of that is wrong. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially about the fact that we have these beauty standards to begin with. I think like there is a multitude of damaging beauty standards and you're right, they might be different around the world. Like your region might dictate like different beauty standards based on the local culture, but ultimately it seems like globally they're just doing a lot of damage, especially to women. So I think that the prevalence of these stereotypes results in a lot of bias. I have heard from friends that they, as fat women, experience a lot of bias in their day-to-day -day lives. Could you give us some examples of this bias? Yeah. Okay. So a bias that I think affects fat women, but fat people in general, is oftentimes they say fat people are sloppy and they're lazy, right? And so then that stereotypes kind of rubs off. And so then when people are looking to get hired at jobs or women are like fat women are looking to get hired at jobs, oftentimes that stereotype comes into play and they're like, oh, this person is fat. They're probably lazy. Like they may be sloppy dressing. And so I think that affects them in getting hired, the type of positions they can get. So I definitely think how that, that the fat bias comes into play with corporate America. Yeah, I actually read somewhere that in some states in America, like it is not illegal to fire or not hire someone because of their weight. That is actually true. I'm an attorney by trade. <laughs> and so it's, it is true, right? And because they say that sometimes it may be unreasonable, like maybe if you're plus size, it requires a better chair, an office chair, different desk equipment. And then this becomes quote unquote, an unreasonable burden on the employer, they think, well, that's that shouldn't be fair. That's the employer's right not to hire that person for the position because they shouldn't they shouldn't burden themselves unnecessarily. And how does this bias like translate to travel? Do you experience it like, I don't know, like taking a flight or taking a bus? Does it does it present itself in these contexts of travel? I feel like it's becoming a lot better. I do think it presents itself. I think Ash mentioned earlier, she said she doesn't like, she doesn't buy a second seat. She just 
buys one seat, which she should only have to buy one seat, right? And goes on as one person to use one seat, right? So I think that this issue with buying or this trend of fat people buying two seats came because there was a time where you would buy one seat and if you weren't comfortable or not, it's not even that if you're not comfortable, if the flight attendants or the airline didn't feel like you comfortably fit in that seat, then they would say, oh, you can't ride in this seat because you're infringing on the other person or you need to buy another seat. You need to buy two in order to be able to ride on this flight. I think that's a way that it really transcended into travel. Now, I think that that's changing now as fat people are owning their place in this community, in this world, companies are realizing that they have to change their policies And are you seeing any progress um, from airlines and other travel companies when it comes to that? Definitely. Um, I think Southwest has one of the best policies um, as an airline and they have their people of size policy. So I think that's that's great, you know, and it shows that we're being heard. Also, my biggest issue, I talk a lot about airplanes and fitting in seats, but an airline that doesn't get a lot of praise, and I know people listening to this are going to be like, what? But Spirit Airlines has the best comfort seat I've ever sat in. Yes. They have the best. I mean, I always use a seatbelt extender for any seat except for Spirit. They're the only ones that's fit. I don't know if that was something that was just thought about beforehand or if they just knew the average size person can't use the seatbelt if they're going to need an extender. You know, we talk a lot about Spirit Airlines and how they are such a horrible airline. But if you're a plus size traveler, you should really look into traveling with Spirit in their comfort plus seating. Um, so I was reading some more from Leah at Practical Wanderlust, and she mentioned some of the other challenges that she's faced while traveling. She was saying, like, for example, that a lot of hotels give out towels that are too tiny. And this is something you mentioned before about horse riding in Cuba. Some adventure activities have weight restrictions. Are there other challenges that Fat Girls Travel to is addressing um, in your curated trips? I think the way that we address those is we think about the issues that could come up in advance, right? So our trips, our experiences are curated for a plus size woman. So anything that can come up on that trip, we analyze it ahead of time. And it it could be a number of things. It's not going to be the same thing on every trip. It is going to be sometimes the bus ride, right? Or it's going to be like, hey, maybe we're not going to do the bus ride. We're going to do a private, private van or a private transport because although most people do the bus ride, those little seats are, are not comfortable to be riding and for that amount of time. Or we're all going to go swimming and snorkeling. We need to make sure that the life jackets come in 3X and 4X because none of us need this 1X or medium. It's not going to work for us. We know in advance it's not going to work for anybody that's with us. So we're going to plan ahead of time and make sure that they have five, four X's, five, three X's. And we're going to let them know in advance. They don't have to shout out. I need a four X. I need a three X. It's like, okay, we just hand these out to our travelers and we're good to go. (laughs) 
So let's talk a bit more about the community. I noticed that Fat Girls Travel 2 operates tours to Egypt, Cuba, Colombia, Ghana. These are such good destination choices. And I'm really curious about what led you to pick these countries as destinations for your tours. So I've traveled to all of these places. And I know everyone picks one place to have a second home, but I think all four of the countries you just named are my second home. I love them. I love that they're all fat friendly and I really feel welcomed when I go to these places. So that's why we chose these trips for our 2020 itinerary. We're looking to explain to some other places, but Egypt, Cuba, Colombia, and Ghana, they have my heart. So they're going to always be that girls travel to destinations. What do you love most about them? Can you tell me something you love about each of those countries? Sure. So I'll start with Cuba. Uh, Cuba was the inaugural trip for Fat Girls Travel 2, which is the first trip that Natalie came on and where I met her in person. And it's just inviting. You know, you're kind of cut off from the world in Cuba. I don't know if either of you have ever been. The Wi-Fi isn't amazing and it's, it's really a luxury um, but being cut off from the world, it's like I reconnect with myself. Did you have that experience in Cuba, Natalie? I did. It took a little while because, as you know, <laughs> I kept on saying, I need Wi-Fi. I, I was like the Wi-Fi queen <laughs> in Cuba. Okay, first, I'm serious. At first, I was like, I need to get Wi-Fi. I need to get Wi-Fi and see what's going on in my phone. And for some reason, every time I sat down in the Wi-Fi location, even when we weren't connected, everybody would get Wi-Fi. It was like I was the walking antenna, okay? <laughs> so it was like, everybody's like, Natalie, come sit next to me because I need to get on the Wi-Fi. I'm like, right? <laughs> me too. And so, oh, but in Cuba, it's like, you can't just be on the internet all day, right? So at first it was a little, <laughs> I had to get acclimated to that fact. But after I really embraced it because it was like I still got on long enough so that I can share on Instagram and Facebook and connect with my families and friends a little bit. But it was like I had this moment, this time, this period of like solace where I was just disconnected and becoming one with women like me and becoming one with myself, right? Just to me, I believe it is essential to unplug sometimes and take those moments to regenerate. And so I think Cuba, when you're like me and you're constantly going, Cuba made that almost, it made it almost impossible for me not to be able to do that, which is amazing because some people need that. I can totally relate to the like initial panic when I went to Cuba. I didn't like really think about how hard it would be to get Wi-Fi. And I just went like with my friend and we went like having done very little research. So we got there and I just felt like I went into this panic mode and I was like, this almost feels like withdrawal because I'm so used to being connected all of the time. But after like three or four days, I no longer cared. It was like, oh, I'm really, I'm really enjoying now. Like you say, the solace of not having like this phone dinging in my pocket all the time. It's really refreshing to experience that. What about Egypt? Egypt. So Egypt was my first international trip alone. And it's almost like I created a new family while I was there. They were my tour guides and the people who showed me around. Um, the country is really safe and it's so full of history and culture and the best culture you will ever have on this planet. 
So the food is amazing and the people are amazing. And I wanted to show plus size women that they can go overseas to a country where a lot of people aren't plus size and still feel welcomed. And can you tell me about Colombia and then finally Ghana? Yes. So Colombia is a, well, we go to Cartagena, Colombia, and it's a party city. And Natalie knows me and she knows that I am not a party girl. But in Colombia, in Cartagena, Colombia, you don't have a choice but to party and take amazing pictures and eat good and laugh a whole lot and dance your butt off. So I wanted Cartagena on the itinerary. So if you were a woman like me and who worked a lot and works in corporate America and don't get a lot of time to relax, I wanted them to come to Cartagena and get that experience to just let your hair down and be free with Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, I'll let you take Ghana. Ghana is so amazing. <laughs> I, okay, so I've been to Ghana three times. Uh, it's just solace in Ghana. Like, I think that it's one of those experiences that when you go, you you want everybody to experience because you know it has something for everybody and you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't come here and not make sure other people don't experience this. Everybody that I know that's been to Ghana is like, when can I go back? Like, oh my goodness, it was amazing. Is there something particular, like a particular memory or experience about it that you want to share with us? What my particular experience that I, oh, okay, I have a couple. I really liked going to Elamina Castle and Cape Coast. Um, they have the point of no return there, right? And I like literally did an experience where I went from um, Kumasi um, region all the way down Cape Coast. And it was the trail that basically um, they, when they were taking people to become slaves in America, they took them through this trail. And when they left the coast of Cape Coast, it was the point of no return. So they would be in a castle there chained. And then from the, being chained in this castle, they would be put on this boat and they would be brought to become slaves in the United States. It was such a life changing experience because it kind of really puts you in a perspective as to, you can't even imagine what was happening, but just some of the things you see at the castle, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective. As a black woman, right, that was even, it was really heartfelt for me, but I think it's heartfelt for anybody to go when you see what really happened and whether you're black or not, it's history. So Ashley, you had mentioned at one point the term fat friendly. Could you explain what you mean by this term? And like, is there a way to determine if a place or like an organization is fat friendly? What are ways that we can like determine this? Okay, so far as a curator's perspective, all of the places that we put on our itineraries, we travel to first. Me and Natalie both are plus size women. So we look for different things, um, means of transportation. 
how are the cabs? Are they majority just two-seater cabs? Do they have private buses or private taxis that hold six or seven people? Um, is there enough room for our hips? Um, we go to restaurants and we see, hey, is this a restaurant with mostly booth seating? If so, plus size women a lot of times aren't comfortable sitting at booths. We rather sit at tables. So we check out different restaurants. We contact vendors of tours and it's like, hey, we're a group of majority plus size women over a certain weight. <laughs> and we ask them, can you accommodate us? And if we're met with a lot of no's, then we know that that place isn't fat friendly and it wouldn't be a good place to host a trip because it wouldn't be a good experience for our travelers. So that's what we mean by fat friendly. Um, so I know that Fat Girls Travel 2 is dedicated to building a world in which women feel supported and valued regardless of their weight. And the way that you're doing this is through these women-focused um, curated trips. Are there any specific moments that you've seen um, where you saw how travel was empowering the women on your trip or even a specific woman? Uh, yeah, so I'll just go back to our inaugural trip to Havana. And I believe it was our last day. I sat back and just watched everyone interacting with each other. We were there for five days, I believe. The first day we came as strangers. You know, no one really knew each other. Only two people came with their friends. But by the end of the trip, people were already planning to meet up again. There was one girl on the trip who was really reserved and kind of shy in the beginning. And by the end, she's in the living room dancing for us and singing like karaoke. So just to see her come out of her shell and feel comfortable and not have any worries, that was so empowering to me. And that was one of my favorite moments of our entire trip. And it showed me that we were on the right track, that we're needed in this community, in this space. Yeah. So like on that note, it sounds like a lot of these, like these trips are about travel. Yes. But it's also about forming these connections and giving people the opportunity to like really thrive amongst like-minded women. So lastly, what is some advice that you would like to give to women who are feeling self-conscious or inadequate because of their bodies? This may sound so cliche, but I'm going to go on a whim here and say it. We have to love ourselves unconditionally. And, you know, we have all of these outlets to help with self-love, like traveling with Plus Size Women, with Fat Girls Travel too, listening to uplifting and empowering podcasts. We have music, we have friend groups um, that kind of help uplift each other. But at the end of the day, it self-love's love comes from you. So you have to accept yourself, know that you're perfectly and wonderfully made. You're, you're living this life to have experiences and don't let your body hinder you from being great. You know, love yourself. What people think about you doesn't matter. That's none of your concern. The only person who you have to worry about is you. So if you love you, that's all that matters. Aww. Well, thank you for joining us, Ashley and Natalie. Please let our Apaka pals know where they can find you and also how they can join the Fat Girls Travel 2 community or potentially book a tour. 
Okay, so you can find me personally on Instagram. My Instagram is at Simply Curvy, and Curvy is spelled C-U-R-V-E-E. If you're looking to connect with Fat Girls Travel 2, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fat Girls Travel 2. And we also have a private Facebook group community um, that's also Fat Girls Travel 2. And when you're ready to book a tour with us, you can go to www.fatgirlstravel2.com. Okay, and for me, if you want to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram name is Fat, Pretty, and Budget Traveling. Well, thank you so, so much, both of you, for joining us. I'm really excited to share this episode with our listeners. Alpaca My Bags is written and hosted by me, Erin Hines, and it's produced by Katie Lohr. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Instagram, and consider showing us your love on Patreon. On Patreon, you can pledge $5 a month, which directly supports the making of this show. The link to our Patreon is in the show notes. That's all for now, Alpaca Pals. I'll talk to you again in two weeks, and I hope you all get to alpaca your bags safely and soon. Bye.